It's time for the No Shot Clock Podcast. We're talking the biggest stories in Illinois high school basketball. Hey, now, here are your hosts, Michael O'Brien of the Chicago Sun-Times and Joe Hendrickson of the City Suburban Boost Report. Welcome in, everyone. We are a few weeks into the season now. It's really been a sprint here to start the season to get the Thanksgiving tournaments. Then two big busy weekends of high school shootouts and events. And um, there's just a lot of basketball we've seen, Mike, at this point. A yeah. lot more that we know today than we did, you know, two, three weeks ago. Yeah, definitely. It's been a marathon between – I kind of went right from that crazy state football weekend into these Thanksgiving tournaments and, well, I guess, whatever. The last two weeks have been a little wild. This These last two days at Mount Carmel were really instructive. Got to see a lot of teams. I'll talk a lot about that over our next uh, 45 minutes or hour here. But we're going to start out with our – I guess we didn't say what we're talking about, did we? <laughs> we're going to do – Yeah, we got some yeah, questions, listener questions. We'll do our two takes. Uh, then we'll, we're going to talk of some, some surprise teams, some teams, Mike and I, for various reasons, different reasons, uh, go off to fast starts and highlight those quick starts they gotten off to this season and like maybe a sneak peek at, uh, what's ahead. Yeah. I've done most of that. Didn't get a look at Saturday or Sunday yet, Saturday, whatever, but it's a, it's a light week, a slow week, <laughs> so that, which is all right with me. <laughs> Need a little time to catch our breath, I think, after that start, but let's get into this, uh, our few, our first mailbag of the season. First one in a really long time, cause I'm not sure how many questions we really took in the brief COVID season. So we're back, uh, starting off with Joe Miller. I'm realizing as I look at his question that I did not research this. I assumed that Joe would handle knowing this, the answer to this. So let's hope he does. Uh, <laughs> Joe says, uh, gentlemen, what is the skills factory? And why would a player who is already committed go there for his senior year? That's his first question. Yeah. I mean, he's, I mean, Cam Craft of Buffalo Grove, uh, headed down there in Georgia. I, I mean, it's a basketball factory uh <laughs> where uh they do some learning educationally um quote unquote i know i you know i i it is just a, a pop-up thing of of basketball of, of it's a new wave of basketball um prep schoolish only it's a basketball focus and why would they go there uh i think every single family kid prospect player whatever has their reasons um the chief reason is more one-on-one so they say more and more one-on-one instruction and basketball time spent training and prepping for their college careers uh you know i've i've talked to college coaches about this a lot and a lot of them won't because there's so many, so much politics involved and so many different ties and connections to different people, a lot of them will publicly say certain things. Uh, but I do know the most of them don't think most of them are necessary, to be honest. Um, or, or there's no reason to, to go that route. And a lot of them will, we talk just in conversation about the, enjoyment of the high school experience and enjoying high school basketball. Now, these last two years have been a little bit different, obviously, and especially here in Illinois, where there was a lot up in the air and didn't know what was going to happen with the season, and uh, that led to more movement, I think. But, um, yeah, I mean, that's it's basically what it is. It's, it's a basketball skills factory with training and and um, while you're also taking some some classes. Yeah, I actually did look a little bit into the Skills Factory when that happened. Um, and it looks like the Skills Factory is attached to like an actual legitimate, very good school. It's called the Brandon Hall School. I believe mm-hmm. it's been around since the 50s. Um, so I, I mean, who knows how much someone going to the Skills Factory is there, but I guess there isn't like a Skills Factory school. The school is Brandon right. Hall. Um, yeah, a lot, a lot of these places are 
tied into, you know, other schools like prolific prep out in Napa, California, and which is a big time high profile place. Um, same kind of deal, you know, so they've got their educational things lined up with the structure with a school, um, in some capacity, most, a lot of them. Yeah. And like La Lumere in Indiana, that is the school. Mm -hmm. And boy, I shouldn't have looked at that because it was kind of depressing when I did. I mean, it's like a 40, 50 grand a year school. They've turned out like Supreme Court justices and senators. And I mean, no offense to my Joliet West education, <laughs> but <laughs> <laughs> looking at that, you know, Jeremy Fierce Jr. is there versus, you know, the stuff going on right now at Joliet West. And it was, uh, <laughs> It was a little rough for me to uh, make a big argument against. See a young, <laughs> young Michael O'Brien packing his bags, heading across the state line, and camping up as a sixteen-year-old. I don't know. <laughs> That's true. I mean, it is only like an hour and a half away though from Joliet, so I'm sure it's not too bad. But anyway, why am I talking anyone into staying at La Lumiere? Sorry, <laughs> strike all that from the record. But um, that was uh, Joe's first question. Uh, second is. Um, and this was his second question was interesting. He he, he asked, um, "Is there a threshold that the IHSA looks at that high school basketball fans should be worried about regarding canceling the playoffs?" Um, clearly, Joe he didn't mention it, but he's talking about COVID. Um, first off, I, I think it's important to note that the IHSA. I mean, if we've learned one thing over the last uh, year, it's that the IHSA almost has zero control over this. Um, so it, it's wrong to even ask what the IHSA is looking at. The IHSA wants to play. It's the Illinois Department of Public Health that is determining this. And Governor Pritzker basically seems to, um, you know, kind of what his team, medical team decides is pretty much what the Illinois Department of Public Health follows. So they're the people we need to wonder. And I did look um, currently on the IDPH website um, on their youth sports policy. There is nothing. All it is is about the executive order for wearing masks, which is the IDPH's rule, not the IHSA's, not your local school district, not anybody. It's the Illinois Department of Public Health that has everybody wearing masks now. But there was no, there are no levels, there are no thresholds for when we might scale back. Now, as we've, as we know, this could be slapped down any minute. So who knows? But right now, the answer to the question is no, there is nothing there, um, about, you know, rolling back sports or playoffs or the holiday tournaments or anything. So, fingers crossed. God, that depressed me just talking about that. <laughs> okay, <laughs> let's let's roll that off. I mean, I mean, I think it was an important question, though. I've had a lot of people asking me stuff like that. So, I guess what we know is we don't really know much. But right now, we're gonna see what we can do. Next up, um, George Hajek. Uh, Riverside Brookfield fan. I saw George out early Saturday morning for the RB game. And uh, he asks, who has the smartest Chicago area rankings? Aaron Britton, which is RB number 10, or Michael O'Brien, which is RB number 20? Um, Riverside Brookfield? Yes. I so will, we're, uh, we're basing it on our <laughs> Riverside Brookfield's ranking of who's better ranking. Yes, so we'll have, oh, to, we'll have right. to let Joe decide if he thinks RB is number 10 or number 20, because my... Well, I don't know the other rankings, so that doesn't help of comparing. I've only known yours. <laughs> well, well, George, the, but, or, George, the key but, is, George doesn't care about anyone else. Oh. All he cares about is what but RB I, is. I, now I care. What, what are the other rankings? Is this a... Aaron I, Britton, yeah, he does um, rankings for like all the classes. He also does the Chicago area... And right. he tracks schedules and um, standings and stuff like that. Um, uh, 10 versus 20? Yes. Is that what the two those rankings are the, were? Those are your two choices, yes. I'll go 15. All right. No, um, no, I, I, I like RB. I, I mean, 10 might be a tad high. Um, but, you know, the, the thing with RB is we'll learn all about how good they are if they're 10 or 20 because they're a top 25 team in my mind. Um, I just think they are offensively gifted enough and, and they play together. They got a, they got a lot of chemistry, not a lot of size, but I, I just think, you know, three weeks from now after the Jack Tosh holiday tournament's over, which is going to be pretty good this year. 
uh, we'll know a little bit more, you know, concrete evidence of how good Riverside Brookfield is. Yeah, we shall see. I think part of the pro- the Riverside Brookfield fan base like wins the award for the most disconnected from reality. Um, generally, I found. I think. I think maybe. <laughs> wow. Oh yeah, it's crazy. I don't know what they want in these rankings. I think twenty is a little high, frankly. Um, I think they're a good team, but they just don't have the talent of a lot of teams. They don't. They play well. Um, they don't have much size. And, you know, there's not, like, a particularly dynamic scorer. I was really impressed by how effective some of their kids were. But, yeah, I mean, come on. There's a lot I, of teams that could be yelling at me. They don't want to get ranked. I mean. They... Yeah, I've seen enough talented teams that aren't, well, so-called talent that doesn't materialize and isn't very good. And I go the, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of your t- argument over, like, player of the year prospect versus team versus talent in the same regard where it's high school basketball and there are so many teams over the years you know you can get those 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 teams that are just built and play together and and I do think they have a number of scorers um I know you didn't see the Oak Park game but uh they were they impressed with how many offensive you know player weapons they do have uh, you know, they get stuck in, you know, the, the, the schedule, their, their conference. It, it is hard to gauge sometimes because their, their league is not very good and the Metro Suburban is not strong. Uh, and when you're trying to talk about teams that are ranked, so they do have to go improve themselves, um, in the small window of opportunities that they have. And again, that is Thanksgiving time, uh, in that tournament, which, uh, I mean, Mike, they played Curie to, uh, what was the score of that? Two point game. Two point game. There are Curie's the top, what are they, five, six in the rankings? Eight or seven, uh, eight, yeah. And took care of Oak Park, which is a tape, that's your so called more talented team, uh, with two division one players. So to me, that, that, that's enough for me to say they're legitimate top 25 team right now. That's not the argument, Joe. It's 10 or 20. Well, no, I mean, I, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I'm just supporting your 20 ranking of, of yeah. being maybe. They also beat, they got a nice win over Lions. I think that might be their nicest win of the season. Um, I think it was by about 10 points too. Um, yeah, they beat Romeoville, which, yeah. uh, by, by 20, 25. Yeah, it was. God, it might have been so, more. <laughs> yeah, now that I think about it, I think it came close to a running clock by the end. It got pretty ugly. Yeah, 78-50. Yeah, yeah. so I, mean, I think they've done more than enough to solidify themselves as a as a top 20 team. Yeah, but there's 20 teams out there that have – I mean, St. Ignatius isn't ranked, for example. You know, they've got some nice wins now, and Loyola's not ranked. You know, they've got a really nice win. There's a lot of teams. I think RB fans need to pay a little bit more attention to everybody else and – put their kind of resume up against everyone else before they get really angry. It's like they want to be top five all the time. And it, it just it's deeply disconnected from. I didn't know the bulldog nation was. As, oh was as yeah. Riled up. Yeah. I hear it every week from even these rankings. Come out. I don't know what they want from me. I mean, they haven't beaten a team that's in the rankings <laughs> and they're 20, you know, it's doing the, <laughs> it's pretty much the best, best you're going to be right now. It's, Anyway, um, onwards, uh, John Finn asks a question. He wants to know our thoughts on Marion, Oswego East, Carmel, and the Hinsdale tourney. He's talking about the Hinsdale Central Tournament. We're going to, Joe and I made a executive decision before the podcast. We're going to keep all holiday tournament talk to next week, which I think when we usually do the preview, it might, this, tur- this schedule's weird this year, so it might be even be the week after we might wait. But anyway, we're going to save holiday tournament talk for the holiday tournament preview, everybody. Um, yeah, I mean, real quick, we saw Mary Cat, but I think both of us were at Bolingbroke, uh, this, not, I think, I know we were. <laughs> uh, we were both at Bolingbroke, uh, Mary Catholic, and, you know, Mary Catholic is really got to utilize their weapons defensively uh, to try to create more easy scoring opportunities. Uh, Jeremiah Jones is one of the elite defenders in our state. And, um, you know, I, I was impressed with, you know, the flashes of a six, six, three junior Quentin Jones uh, in that game. They did lose to uh, Bolingbroke, but 
I still think they're the team to beat in the East, Suburban, East Suburban Catholic Conference, and I just think right now they are they're they're very good, but they are going to struggle sometimes. I think against top tier teams scoring the basketball. Um, so that's just that's they got to create easier scoring opportunities off their defense and get in transition. And uh, but yeah, I, I like Marion Marion Catholic. I think they're the team to beat in that league. Yeah, and I think that's something that's going to work itself out over the season. Um, I think they'll become a much better offensive team, you know, as the season goes on. They also lost to Brother Rice, I believe, uh, during the week, which you know clearly two good losses, and you know they they stuck in the rankings after that. Um, no big deal. But there was also the sophomore six 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 seven kid. Was it Bullock? I don't have the roster here, but he showed a couple of flashes. I thought he was really intriguing. Um, he could be a real piece by the, you know, two, three months from now. Yeah. James Bullock. Um, yeah, he's got a good feel for, you know, he's got a nice feel too. Uh, he, he'll be a, a key piece. Carmel, uh, and I, my three pointer column this week, there's some, some Carmel tidbits in there. And, you know, this is a team that I mentioned in the preseason preview for the conferences that they were a sleeper in that league. And, and it's a really a, I mean, there are just two players, Bryce Moore and Asher Jackson. You know, they're about six, four wings who have big time scoring potential and on any given night, they're both averaging about 20, 21 a game. So you got two players that are capable of putting up, you know, 40 to 50 a night. That's a great starting point. They're fresh off a big win over St. Rita. Uh, when you have two scores like that in, in high school basketball, that can go a long way. Uh, obviously they don't have the track record, Carmel basketball of, you know, being in the upper half of that East Suburban Catholic, but they're a sleeper. No question. They got a big one this weekend against Bennett. Yeah. I'm excited. I have not seen Carmel. I've not seen Bryce Moore. They're high on my list to get out to. And if you look at the season resume, I mean, don't tell our B fans, but Carmel hasn't sniffed the rankings and they've got a win over St. Rita, a win over North Lawndale, and they only lost to Marion Catholic by four. A couple days ago, you know, so this is a team that has definitely shown when it's playing well, you know, it can handle really good teams. Um, they, they have had some, they lost to Stevenson, you know, nothing bad with that. And they lost to an upstart young Warren team early, but you definitely Carmel's it's exciting story up there. I'm excited to get up there and, um, take a look at them. I have, it's been a few years since I've been up to, uh, see a game in the Carmel gym. Um, Oswego Oswego East, East. which, yeah, I, I, so I've seen Oswego East. Uh, I'll see him again this week. I, I wrote about them the preseason as being, you know, a sleeper, one of the better teams that's not ranked. And, uh, they've proved that they're undefeated. I, another team with a nice one, two punch, but they have, you know, Patrick Robinson, a senior division two kid who's big, powerful, you know, uh, six, four wing athletic and Makai Lowry, who I, I'm a big fan of. He, he's a six, five. Uh, wing versatile guy in the junior class who's got division one potential. Uh, you know, Darren Oregon and, and Devon Oregon in the backcourt. I, I like this team. They got shooters. Uh, they can score. They've got si- or some quickness and athleticism. Uh, I, you know, it's, they're going to get a test at Hinsdale Central in the holiday tournament time. Uh, they get Yorkville Christian this week. So, uh, Swigo East to me is, is legit. Yeah, they're a team I was excited. I, they're one of the teams I saw in the spring that I really liked. Patrick Robinson, you know, was a very effective high school player. And they, they've been creeping up the rankings. I'm confident in them, but it's just they have not had a, you know, they have a nice win against Tinsdale Central. Um, they beat a Manuka team that's playing well. But other than that, I mean, most of their, I should mention the Niqua. Niqua's knocked off some people. They beat Niqua by 20, but yeah, they have, they don't even have like, a, a win I can really put my foot on for the rankings to help them kind of kind of raise up a bit. But I did bump up all the undefeated teams quite a bit this week after a lot of teams took losses. So we'll see how that goes, but there will be definitely a fun story out at Hinsdale Central. Uh, the next question was from my buddy Frank Arnolds out in Pontiac. I see him every year, and he wanted to know some holiday tournament questions. Frank, we will hit those, as I mentioned earlier, on the holiday tournament preview. We don't want to waste all that. Jo- Joe and I still need to check out all the we don't even have brackets yet for the dipper um i have a proviso bracket but joe hasn't even seen it yet it's not not super exciting but um we'll hit all that later 
Next up, George Sorensen. George sent this question maybe two weeks ago at this point. George was sending questions for the podcast before we even asked for him. He, he wanted to hear what we think about Evanston. Um, he mentions that, you know, Evanston fans have been spoiled over the past five years with some unbelievable guard play and, you know, they've had such a great starting five. He said, this year's team has some nice size and athleticism between Prince Adams and Daryl Jones can really bring it on the defensive end. I thought they really flashed it in the Glenbrook South game. It seems they still need time to gel offensively, you know, because they lost some guys. And then he um, mentions Yaris Irby, who I got my first look at this weekend, a freshman who's going to be an outstanding player. Um, he said that he wouldn't be surprised if they split with Glenbrook South and New Trier. I- I'm not sure about that, but what's your take, Joe? I just, uh, he said it right. They were so spoiled, and, and that's my first take is, or my take on this is that, I was spoiled watching Evanston because they've been such, they've been playing at such a high level for, for five, four or five, six years here that you do get spoiled. You come to that expectation. So when you see, and I'm not trying to disparage this team, it's just so hard to look at Evanston at what we've watched for the last five years. Uh, you know, I watched them this past weekend. Yeah, I mean, I, I think they they could be a thorn in someone's side, but I, you know, I think Nutria and Glenbrook South are clearly better than Evanston this year. Uh, I think what sets Evanston apart from those other years is they had so many different weapons and so many different scores. I don't see that with this team, uh, as far as having multiple guys that can go, you know, go get you a lot of offensive output. So, I, I mean, they're a very good team. They're a good high school basketball team. Uh, I, I think they they should be better in January and February than they are right now, and they will be a dangerous team. You know, they they can still win a regional. They can still, uh, you know, make a run at, at holiday tournament time, and and even, you know, put a threat or scare into the the uh, favorites in that Central Suburban League South. Yeah, I thought Prince Adams played really well again. I mean, every time I see him. He plays well. I guess he might not have lived up to some big expectations over the spring or summer, but yeah, in my glimpses over the last two years, it's been really intriguing to watch how he's come along. Yaris Irby, he was in a bit. Yeah, I mean, I he's a you know highly regarded freshman, uh, but you know it's he's a freshman. You know, uh, they're going as far as Prince Adams and Rashawn Boss you know, are, are taking them. And then as David Geyser gets, um, the transfer from Fenwick gets more acclimated and comfortable. Uh, you know, he's a spread the floor shooter, which they needed. Uh, cause you know, Evanson loves to spread the floor and, and, <clears throat> you know, the spacing get to the rim and you need some guys to be able to do that. And he's the one player on that team that can help them do that with, with for coach Mike Ells. Yeah, I thought they showed a lot of upside. As Joe said, a couple months, you know, I think Geyser played well and as he fits in more and it's a team that's got, you know, great coach, a lot of, uh, fan support. They'll be all right. But man, if this is going to be your down year team, <laughs> I don't feel too bad for Evanson. Right. <laughs> that's, right. That's, uh, uh, especially after my Juliet West <laughs> weekend. All right. Two takes, Joe. You want to start us out? Yeah, I'm going to start, uh, with, with the, with the negative, I know, uh, mm-hmm. I'm trying to stay, trying to stay positive, but, uh, you know, I just want to say that we just really aren't as close to, I've been writing about this a lot, a normalcy. Uh, it's so good to return to normalcy, but it's not quite as close to normal as we might think we are. Uh, yes, it's great to have full days of basketball with fans in the stands, holiday tournaments on the horizon. But what I've realized in the past couple of weeks, particularly especially this past week is just how many teams are shorthanded, just kind of out of whack, out of sorts. And by that, I mean the number of coaches I've talked to who have told me the amount of what they're dealing with, with players out, whether it be with COVID or, or severe flu. Uh, we see, we see, and what I'm getting to is we see teams who are off to poor starts or they're struggling to win a game that we just see the score of and the regular fan and, or Mike might self believe that they should have won more easily or, uh, whether it be missing players in practice in and out for days, you know, being physically shot coming back from being sick. 
I, I've just heard more of that in the past week to 10 days than I've ever heard um, from high school coaches. And it's just different this year as I've talked to coaches. And and we don't know what's really going on with so many of these teams. You know, Mike, it's, it's just – it's not like there's a – ESPN ticker providing us daily updates on who's out and who's missing, who didn't play in that game or who's a game time decision because they're not feeling well. These are high school sports. We don't, you know, there's so many of them, so many games and teams. Sometimes Mike and I are aware of it, but a lot of times we're not. And I, and I've, I've found that out a lot in the last week. Oh, they didn't play or that. Oh yeah. He was missing practice or this whole team's been sick. And it's just something we're dealing with like never before. And I just think it must be taken into consideration as this season plays out from week to week. Yeah, no, definitely. We've had, and, and you can see, boys, the, the endurance levels are definitely down overall. But I will say the one thing for my purposes, it's universal. It's happening with everybody. So I think that's a leveler for when I'm looking at scores and stuff. I mean, a lot of times the more publicized team or whatever will get credit because, oh, Jaden Rania was out or whatever in that game. But it's extremely likely, if not assured, that the team that beat them was also suffering greatly from a flu out. You know what I mean? It's kind of a leveler. I think everybody is going through it right now, so that helps me a little bit. I'm not making a – I guess what I'm saying is I'm not giving anybody a pass because they had the flu because everybody's got the flu. You know, well, I, I, sick, I mean, so I just don't know who yeah. every team has, you know, um, yeah. and we don't what, know yet what big and, guys and what out. they're, and yeah. what they're dealing with or, you know, even in practice, you know, so it's just something that I've, you know, I, I, again, I've never heard so many instances or cases, um, as I have in all the years I've done this. The back to backs are taking more of a toll, um, too. I've had, uh, More coaches mention that than ever before, um, which isn't something we always heard a lot about in high school. You know what I mean? It, it was a factor, but I wouldn't have a coach say that like right away in the inter- post game interview. You know, uh, mm-hmm. they were just kind of used to it. You know, they played Friday; it was not a big deal. But this year, I'm hearing that a lot more. I think Brother Reisman might have played three games in three days or something. Um, well, and there's there's teams that have yeah. played more games <laughs> already this year than than they than a lot of these teams and they played all of last season. All season. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. That's wild, huh? Um my my first take is on uh Curie. It's a listener request um to talk some Curie because we hadn't talked a whole lot of Curie and you know they're one of the better teams. I got my first look at them. And uh it's not what I expected. Um I expected a more I guess Phoenix Bullock you know, Carlos Harris guard driven team with Jeremy Harrington and, uh, Chikosi Ofoma, I believe is how you pronounce that. Mike Oliver was teaching me. I think I was saying Ofoma or something, but it's more like Ofoma. Um, as kind of, I don't know, the, uh, support guys, <laughs> you know, down there in the post doing some rebounding. That's not what we saw against Leo. Now it may have been, you know, because Leo doesn't have a lot of size, although they, they crashed the boards, but boy, the juniors, Jeremy Harrington, I wrote about it, and Jacosi Ofama, they were, I mean, I'm not sure I've seen all year any team have a guy, have two guys with double-digit rebounds so far. It's been pretty rare. Harrington had 12, Ofama had 10, they both scored 18 points. I mean, they were very impressive post players. I mean, I already knew what they had with Phoenix Bullock and with Carlos Harris, but this takes it up a notch in my mind. There aren't many teams that are going to have those dependable high school bigs down there. And it sets up a really interesting kind of Simeon Conference Pontiac showdown because Simeon's Rubens, you know, are much more kind of long, you know, more rangy, fast, and athletic. But I'm not sure they're quite as effective as this Curie duo right now. So that that's, it's definitely very interesting. I, I think it's easy to see why Curie got out to such a hot start. One thing I didn't see from Curie was much depth. Um, maybe the least amount of depth of depth I've ever seen from Curie. It was, uh, let's count it here. Only six guys took a shot on the team, which I mean, that's, you know, Mike Oliver usually plays a lot of guys. I only had seven guys that did anything, um, in the game. So I don't know if that's something they're going to develop throughout the year. It's already a young team. So most of the young guys are playing. So I don't know how that's going to develop, but it's definitely 
maybe the shortest bench I've seen on, on a Curie team, but it, it was impressive, uh, at least from the one game I saw so far. Yeah, Curie, and the when I saw when they beat Brother Rice, uh, you know, Bullock was very good, and Chikosi was very good, and you know that comparison that Simeon Curie, it's just, you know, they are physical with strength, and 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 the Rubens are a little more skilled, so they they are definitely a, a difference in terms of type of bigs that they are. Um, you know, my second take is on. On a team that's had a very good start to their season that I took a lot out of a loss, and that's Hillcrest. Uh, I, you know, I know coaches aren't into moral victories. Uh, and I'm not too much either, but you know, they, 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 what they did against Glenbard West, uh, to me was pretty impressive. And, you know, they, they were right there in the end. It, it could have gone either way in the final minutes. And they did lose the number one team. But I, I just, what we've seen out of Hillcrest in recent years, I, was, I don't know. You always kind of think Hillcrest has got some gritty, some toughness. And I don't know if Hillcrest has had all of that in the last couple of years. They've had some talent. Uh, they've had division one players. They've had, uh, some high upside, but, you know, particularly a couple of years ago, I, I just think this team, and again, I could be proven wrong. They're off to a 7-1 start with the only lone loss to Glenbard West. But what what they did, they played in control. They slowed things down. They they kind of mucked it up with Glenbard West, which is what they needed to do. Uh, but they just competed and played hard and, and, and had some physicality, and they played with some patience. And I was just impressed with how they approached that game, how they uh, stayed in that game. Uh, and battled with, you know, arguably the best team in in the state. And I just, that bodes well for, for Don Houston for a team that lost all five starters. They didn't have a single starter back this year. Uh, so I, I don't know. The South suburbs of, of, I think there's a lot of up in the air, but, uh, they've got some nice size with Matthew Moore and Darion Baker, and they've got some good young players and Isaiah Green and, Nizer Duncan and then Bryce Tillery's back and Matthew. I, I don't know. It's a, it's a, it's a team that isn't going to jump out at you when you're watching them, but I think they're going to be, they already are kind of a pleasant surprise and I think they'll continue to be. That's a, that's a fantastic take, Joe. That's well said. And I, I have a lot to add to that. I think, um, I don't want to be too harsh and we don't know what Hillcrest team would have done last year. They didn't lose. They got to play a weird, you know, that tiny little schedule and not much. And who knows? Maybe that team would have won state. They had the ability to. But what we saw out of that group before, it just kind of felt like it was a lot of ability and not a ton of backbone. And this team that we saw on Saturday had backbone and, and that fighting grit that Joe talked about. And after the game, um, I was doing that story. Well, I guess not for the paper. It was for online, but I was going to do a full separate story on that, not just a notebook. So I was back there um, in the locker room area at Mount Carmel, and the kids, the Hillcrest kids were already in the locker room, and Don Houston was standing outside, clearly outside the locker room, clearly trying to collect himself a bit. Um, things were pretty hot, and nine out of ten coaches, I'd have just walked by <laughs> and gotten them later, you know, after I talked to the winners, and they'd all cooled down a bit, but I've known Don for a really long time, so I, I asked Don if it, you know, he could just give me a minute right now before he went in there, and he did, and uh, this is what he said, if you don't have a um, sometimes description or didn't read it, I think it speaks a little bit to what, to Joe's point. Um, Don said, this is his quote, they played their hearts out, and they really wanted it. Some of the guys are showing some emotions from it, and that's good. We need that. We need them to have that drive. I'm proud of what they did tonight, but we have a long way to go. I'm excited to see the end result of this team. And he was talking because some of the, the kids in the locker room, you know, they were emotional. And that's after an early December game and a game where they played really well. They thought they could win that game and wanted to win that game. And that's the kind of thing, I mean, it, you got to be really happy as a coach to see that from a team. That's a team that it really feels like can win some things. Yeah, it's, right. yeah, and the moral victory, I guess, again, I don't like going with that, but that that was a true moral victory in, in my eyes watching of a guy who has no <laughs> connection to Hillcrest. Uh, I, I just think it bodes well 
Yeah, a, a new team coming together. You know, in a couple of weeks against the Juggernaut Glimmer. Yeah, that was it was fun. That was a fun game. It was uh, well done for Hillcrest and definitely knocked them up um, several notches in my eyes. You never know, you know, what you're going to get until you see them. Uh, my point, uh, point, my, my second take is, um, you know, as we go through this and everybody's talking about, oh, Kenwood lost and Whitney Young had that loss and what if it, what if Glenbird West had lost that game to Hillcrest and. I think it's it's a natural thing because we're coming from football, you know, college football and this and that. And when when a loss means so much and it's such a big deal. And in the old days in our high school basketball, you know, Joe's documented this well. You know, if you won three game, lost three games in the season, you probably weren't going to win state. You know, that's just not the way it went. Most teams had one or two losses, and I just wanted to kind of put a number on how that how much that has changed now and how we these teams are going to lose a few games the teams that are going to win state are going to lose a few games the teams that are win holiday tournaments are going to lose a few games it's just going to happen um so i just I, I just crunched it and since we went to 3a and 4a the average oh you want to you want to guess joe how many losses is the average state champion in 3a and 4a averaging hmm uh Four. it's like 4.6. Yes, you are uh, right there. So it's four or five. And the, but the interesting thing was it's trending up, way up. And that's obvious. They're playing more games, you know, quite quite a bit more than they yeah. used to. Um, more more games. I interrupt in your take. Yeah. More games. Also, scheduling is so much different yeah. now than it was 20 years ago. Even um, that that. You know, you'd see what Glenbard West is doing. You know, just playing anybody they can get their hands on. So, uh, no, it's true. But, if you take Belleville West out of the equation, you know their 2019 champion only lost four games, and their 2018 champion only lost two. But they they've been kind of an outlier recently. You got East St. Louis, the 2019 3A had lost six. Morgan Park, the 2018 3A lost nine. And in 2017, it was Young and Morgan Park, and they lost five games and six games. But wouldn't you also agree in that the upper echelon, the state championship caliber teams over the past, not every single one, but over the past, like when did Brunson graduate? 2014, 2015? Um, yeah. So five, six years, the best of the best has not been as good as the best of the best the previous 20 years before that. I, I I don't see as many super teams as we've had in the past, whether it be, you know, those Jaleel teams or the, and they're playing a national schedule or the Derek Rose teams or, or, or even Brunson's team, or I, you know, even those Marion Catholic Tyler Eulis teams hardly had any losses. Um, I know they didn't get to state, but I would, I, I, yeah, I, I just seen a lack of high powered, no doubt about it. These guys are not unbeatable, but close to it in the last five, six years. In our area, clearly, yes. I think you could probably make an argument with Belleville West based on the numbers. Yeah. Um, but there are teams we didn't, you know, see 15 times that year. So it was harder for us to judge. But yeah, no doubt. Um, but yeah, so I guess my larger take is these teams are going to lose. You know, mm-hmm. we're going to have teams with like Glumbard West is going to lose. You know, Simeon is going to lose. It's going to happen um, this season. If it doesn't, that's going to be amazing. Also, like I said, I hadn't thought about this point. I talked to two coaches just today that were begging for a loss <laughs> for their team. Um, they were ready. They wanted it before the holiday tournaments. Um, you know, these guys think they're the 66 Celtics. <laughs> that's what one coach told me. And they're like, we haven't beaten anybody. <laughs> and, you know, they'd like to get that loss so they can, you know, get them back in the gym afterwards, you know, before the high school, before the holiday tournaments start. Um because you know it's if you, hard. If you if you had to lay money on a team with the fewest losses on March first, boy, I'd have to look at schedules. But um, yeah, there's probably one that uh, I'm going Glenbrook South or Glenbard West. Yeah, Glenbard West got that. They got that young game. They got. 
I, I resisted a Glenbrook South take. I can't see anybody but the Bulls beating them after that new Dreer game. That was, they were so good. It was crazy. If I hadn't seen them law lose the week before. Yeah. I feel like there's, I feel like I should go with Wheaton Warrenville South. <laughs> oh yeah. That's not a bad call. <laughs> yeah, that was going to be my gut. <laughs> my gut yeah, take. That's a, that's a good call. They get to play at home in the Martin Luther King classic. <laughs> go and play they? in the, the yeah. state farm or is that still, is that state farm? Jeez, yeah. I'm so. They're at yeah, State Farm in that field. You know, I don't know a lot about the auto area teams, but I feel like they could do pretty well there. Yeah, <laughs> it's deteriorated over the years. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah that's, that's a that's a really good call. We've we've seen it before um, from them, but um, so yeah. Anyway, calm down about the losses. Everybody's gonna lose. It's not gonna be the end of the world. We're all gonna move on. <laughs> uh, Glenbrook South is the best team I've seen this year after that new Trier game, and they lost the weekend before. <laughs> it was to Glenbard West, but. Um, what are you gonna do? Uh, all right, surprise teams, Joe. Uh, we get we each picked out three. You want to rotate here? Yeah, I'll start. I, I Oaklawn. I'm gonna go with Oaklawn. Uh, if you think back to was it two years ago, 2019-20 season, or back to our last normal season, uh, Oaklawn had a lot of hype going into that year. I don't know if they were preseason. They were. Ranking. They were. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah, I was into into it. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah, they, they won 24 games that year. Uh, they're off to a really nice start again this year. They're six and one. Uh, I, I just, I'm going to com- completely come out of the woodwork as far as in their immediate area. But, you know, they've got Johnny McGowan. He's a six three senior, a, a, a shooter and Nico Rez, a, you know, a tough, uh, strong five ten point guard, uh, both, both back from last year's team uh, after, you know, solid junior years. And then David Lawrence is this big-bodied six-five kid, and sophomore Corey Lee is a slick ball handler. So they, this is a team that hasn't gotten any notoriety, no pub, no headlines really at all, uh, unlike that team two years ago. So I, I think it's important to kind of point out they are, you know, the South Suburban Red is not your, you know, it's not the not your glamour the, conference, right? <laughs> yeah, but um, you know, they're 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 the Clearly, probably the favorite in there right now, and off to a nice six and one start. Um, down around the same uh, part of our uh, area, my first is Oak Forest. Oak Forest gave me what I had been waiting for since the season began. I had been waiting for that team that I didn't have ranked to come out and just, just give me what I needed, which is a really good, solid team that could do things that I could get excited about, that I could. In this segment, say, hey, look at this team. It is Oak Forest, 100%. Uh, I was so impressed by them yesterday morning. They played Lane, which I know some people might scoff. Lane entered at 8-1. and one. And what I like about Lane, they're one of the teams I like to see teams against because, you know, Lane run, runs good stuff. They play good defense. There's a base there with Lane that I know what they're going to give me every year, regardless of talent. Nick Legalbo is a real good coach. And I know that I'm, it's going to be a good measuring stick for a team. What happens against lane and Oak forest beat them by 20. I, it's a huge rankings error on my part in the preseason, not to have Oak forest in there. I mean, you give a lot of teams credit when you're doing this near the bottom because, Oh, they've got this great player. It's high school basketball. You know, that's the, the Yorkville Christian take. They've got Jaden Shoot. You know, they got to be top 25. Well, you know what? Oak Forest had Robbie Avila, and they should have been top 25 because of that. I let kind of some lousy performances I saw at RB. Once again, summer basketball gives me bad takes. Um, kind of dissuade me from that. But this was a completely different team that I saw play in the summer. Um and what was fun about after the game, they addressed that immediately. I talked to Robbie Avila and um, their other star, Fred Robinson, who's really improved. He was just spectacular against Lane, and I think he's an interesting um, kind of player going forward this season. They both they both right away talked about how bad they were in the spring and summer, and talked about when they got back together, you know, for the start of high school practice, they had kind of new motivation. And they knew they had to be better than that and had to do better than that. And boy, were they ever. I mean, defensively, they were really, really solid. Um, Nick Legalbum, the lane coach, made the comment that he could tell that Robbie Avila knew their sets. He knew all their plays um, and how impressive that was. <laughs> you know, that uh, opposing player, he's like, I could tell right away that he knew what was going on. 
and all the, the last couple of years, you know, for last year we didn't get to see anything, but the years before it was Robbie Avila trying to fit into another team. Now this is what I always wanted to see. This is Robbie Avila's team and they fit around him and it's fun. It is so much fun to watch, you know, all the great things he does. If you've seen him, you know, the passing, all that stuff. It all, he is the fulcrum, he's the focal point now of this team, and he's got some nice pieces around him with Fred Robinson, I mentioned, just become a really dynamic scoring guard, and I didn't realize that um Drew Pegnasat was a four-year starter for them, Um or maybe it was three-year, whatever, he's a, I think he might have said four-year, <laughs> Matt, um, but yeah, this is a team that's got more experience than I realized, and is definitely a threat to do who knows what, they're 9-0 and now, the schedule hasn't been super tough to begin with they don't have a big win yet but i'm really excited to see what they're going to do the, the first time they play a really good team oh yeah and that you know at some point they'll be playing hillcrest and a big one in that conference and i remember one of the games i took in last year was hillcrest and oak forest and uh hillcrest took care of oak forest on that night and even though robbie had, had 30 some that game i was at so yeah, I mean, you're talking about some experience with, with Oak Forest. And then we just mentioned Hillcrest graduated, you know, to starting five. So that'll be a, that'll be a key game, uh, during the course of the season. Uh, Deerfield, uh, is my next team off to a nice start, surprise start. Yeah. They're, they're seven and two. You know, they're making a push in that central suburban north. They've got some depth. They've got, you know, they've just got this. All league point guard and you know, a, a get after it leader who scores and rebounds and does everything for you. And Luke Woodson, uh, he's kind of the catalyst. He's their go-to kid. And, um, they, but they've got a lot of, you know, a lot of different players. Oliver Nitson is a shooter who averages 10 points a game for him. Uh, you know, they've got uh, just a boatload of kids who contribute. Cooper Venemore. Uh, as another jack of all trades, Aiden Galvin is a scorer, and, and they got an intriguing freshman. His name is Drew Rogers. He's on varsity level, uh, just you know, starting to make a difference for them. And, and as any freshman, particularly a big whose freshman is is going to mature and develop and become better and get more as he gets more comfortable at the varsity level. So that's a team to watch going forward because of that as well. Uh, and, and a team that's off to a nice start and they'll be playing, uh, at Wheeling, uh, in the Hardwood Classic and, and be, and be a threat there, I think. Yeah, I noticed, uh, Deerfield got in my book pretty quick after, um, their start. This dovetails nicely into my second surprise team, Warren. Blue Devils up in Gurney. Uh, they actually opened the season with a win against Munderland and they lost to Deerfield in a close game by eight and they haven't lost since. And some of those wins are starting to look better than they did even at the time. They beat Carmel, you know, who just knocked off St. Rita. And I don't know anything about Warren. I've not seen them play, so I, I was looking them up a little bit today. Um, they do have a 6'5 post player, Cooper Stacy. He's a senior. He's off to a nice start. Drew Dolan, 5'11 senior, is their lead guard. And get this. I don't know if you knew this, Joe. The other senior guard, Gavin Cartwright, is Bill Cartwright's grandson. Wow. I had no clue. I did not either. <laughs> About this. He, I guess his dad played at Sacramento State. Um, Justin Cartwright, who I don't remember. And, uh, I was reading, um, I think it was Steve Reeven's story in the, um, Lake County News Sun up there. And Bill Cartwright lives in San Francisco, but he live streams all of Warren's games <laughs> and routinely offers positive feedback. So I want us all to, to realize that during Pontiac, Bill Cartwright will be watching the Warren games, <laughs> <laughs> which is kind of fun. Um, it sounds like Gavin Cartwright's a really good defensive player. That's kind of his thing. Um, he's a lockdown defender, but I'm, I'm really excited that, uh, we got a, I mean, who knows how good Warren will turn out to be this year. <coughs> Excuse me, but they're off to a fun start and it's exciting to see them come into Pontiac kind of on a high like that because I've missed Warren being a, a good team the last few years. Yeah, another team coming into Pontiac on a high will be Lockport. Uh, Lockport off to a seven and one start. You know, Southwest, uh, Southwest Suburban Blue has just been dominated by Bolingbrook and Holman Flossmore. Who knows? Maybe Lockport can make a little push in that league. Anthony Munson is just a fearless scorer. Uh, after a really good junior year, the 5'11 senior is a, 
a three-point threat, put points on the board. Ethan Gallagher, another threat offensive 6'4 athlete. Uh, Julius Smith, who's a backup point guard a year ago, uh, they got good depth, which is going to help them get after it defensively. Uh, not real big. Uh, they're going to have to overcome a lack of, you know, presence in that regard, but Lockport, seven and one, uh, another team that will get tested and we'll find out just how big of a threat they'll be. Um, I don't, I haven't looked at their schedule between now and, and Pontiac, I don't know if they get Bolingbrook or HF before then, or if it's still after the break, but after the holidays. But I, yeah, they're, the Porters are, are are really kind of flying under the radar. They were down in Mount Vernon this weekend. Yeah, pick up their first loss, yeah. which is anybody who goes south to play is <laughs> that's that's a tough uh, road. I mean, that was a tough road. And it's not easy. Yeah, Ethan Gallagher played really well. Um... The one game I, they lost most of their guys from last year. Um, I, they're, I mean, the star, of course, you know, Midas Dexness, or is that how you pronounce yeah. it? But, um, but yeah, Ethan Gallagher played really well in that game, which I'm now forever terming the most depressing game I've ever seen and will ever see in my life. It was Lockport Juliet Central in the barn. There were literally 12 people watching. Um, that gym is too big and too cavernous. It was me and a handful of parents. It was, so depressing. I don't, ugh, I can't, I keep wanting to forget about it forever. <laughs> but for some reason, I keep remembering it. Like I saw Troy Cicero playing for Romeoville. You know, he was Joliet's star that day. But anyway, yeah, um, fun to see Lockport. They, um, I feel bad for them because, you know, they had a rough go of it at Pontiac the last few years. And last year would have been a really special year, I think, for them at Pontiac. And hopefully this team can, you know, get a win under their belt there. And, um, it, it's just so much fun when you can win that first game at Pontiac, you know. Oh yeah, it's just good that to lose the first one. The only downside of Pontiac is that coaches hate is the two losses and you're out. Yeah. So you, you you get in that that predicament where you're, oh gosh, we lost game one and now you're in game two and close to you know one loss away from going home and playing two games over the holidays. Uh, my uh, final surprise team here is Leo, another team I saw yesterday at the. Team Rose Classic at Mount Carmel. I was excited to see Leo. You know, they knocked off Ignatius at home earlier at, you know, at Leo earlier in the season. They're another one of the teams I didn't get to see last year because of the short schedule and everybody back pretty much for them. Um, they were a revelation to me, not so much because of any individual talent, but, uh, it was the way they played. They were ferocious, really got after it, really attacked the boards against a much taller Curie team, and then they just got out and ran, and they were fun to watch and unselfish. I thought Jakeem Cole, junior guard, was a real eye-opener. He is slithery. He He's just always in the right spots. I, I was fascinated by Jakeem Cole. He's fun to watch. And Cam Cleveland has just grown like out and up and over he looks like a different kid um than the last time i saw him he didn't have the best shooting night if he didn't have a couple more i think things could have maybe kept their way a little longer against curie in that third quarter where the game got away from him but leo's definitely a, a team to watch you, you can tell that they're just buying in to what jamal thompson wants to do and that they want to do big things this year this is definitely a team to watch in the catholic league at halftime if you'd have told me they were going to beat Curie, I wouldn't have been surprised. That's how good they looked. I think I tweeted out that it wasn't a fluke. Then the third quarter, they just couldn't get anything to happen. They played well again in the fourth, but also it was only their third, fourth game of the year, which, you know, Curie was a lot more there at eight or nine this year. So we'll see how the season develops for Leo, but they're definitely one to watch. What, what, what class are they? Two. Two A. So it'll be, um, or. Leo, Longwood, DePaul Prep. I think that's the class of our area in 2A, if I'm not mistaken. Which I think that's, they're all kind of about around the same, I would say right now. I haven't seen Longwood yet, but based on their scores, nobody should be, um, taking Longwood for granted. They almost got a win at Hyde Park, uh, the other day. Came down to the, the very end and, they also have a lot of guys back, so I'm excited to go check them out. Um, all right, the week ahead, which I have really not properly looked at, but let me get the file up here. Uh, everybody, and be oh, I also guess wanted to mention De La Salle. They keep losing, but 
<laughs> so you're mentioning I was so they've got a lot of they're one of those things you want to talk about individual ability versus a team. I mean, they were better than Mount Carmel, man for man, everywhere but DeAndre Craig's spot, and even that's pretty close. Um, and Mount Carmel handled them, you know, just by playing better as a team. But yeah, you look at it's it'll be interesting to see if Gary DeCesar can get them going. They got size, they got you know some dynamic guard scoring, they got everything you need to have a really good season. And they're playing a crazy typical you know schedule. Gary DeCesar's got them going all. I think they're at Hoop Hall. This year, they're going to Vegas for Christmas. They're going to play all kinds of teams. They're going to be a battle-tested team by the time they hit the playoffs. So we'll see. And you know, Gary DeCesar just got the job. So they're just figuring it out over there. It might take a while, but they're definitely good enough to to mention. Um, All right. Tuesday. Oh, Yorkville Christian out of Swigo East. You going to that one, Joe? I think I am. Um, when you said you were going to see us, we go east this weekend. Thought maybe. I just don't. I mean, that'd be another Yorkville Christian game. So. Yep, you've seen them an awful lot. So have I. Um, it's a light Tuesday night. Uh, it blooms at Joliet West. The reason I mentioned that is not just because I'm a Joliet West fanboy, because clearly Bloom is quite a bit better than us at this point. But uh, Toby, how do you pronounce his last name? Anna. Anya Kanawakwa. Yeah. Uh, he, uh, according to a source that is very close to Toby, might even be Toby. <laughs> um, he's gonna find out tomorrow if he's eligible. So, yeah, he's a scorer, man. He, they could use that. So he could be back. Who knows? I mean, I mean, I don't know if he'd play right away. Anyway, we could, we could find that out Tuesday. Also, the other game is in Joliet. It's all of our hometowns that have the good games Tuesday. Um, Beecher at Joliet Catholic. Should I go? Yeah, it's your, sh- your shot. Slow week. I-, I wanted to go to Beecher, though, is the problem. But Joliet oh, Catholic yeah. looks like they're pretty good. That's S- true. You you might want to pull that yeah. that pocket schedule of Beecher. Or something. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well the, well, the other thing is that there's a lot here going on here, guys. I'm also getting my booster tomorrow in Joliet. <laughs> so it, it worked out perfect because Wednesday's football signing day. So in case I'm, you know, under the weather on Wednesday, um, so I don't know how I'm going to be feeling. I don't know. I might go to one of these games. I might not do any of it. But. Are you going to go live for one minute, the final minute of the booster with your phone? It better not take longer than a minute or I'm going to be laid out. <laughs> um, but, yes, that is uh, – so Tuesday's a little light. Wednesday is a good, actually kind of a good day. Um, it's public league, Red West, Northwest stuff. we got Clark at Young, which when Clark takes the court, oh, boy. They got to look to him. Um, if you've seen the Jones brothers, you know, they got, the, <laughs> and the big seven, you know, big tall guy. Um, yeah, they, Clark, they're going to be interesting and they want that young game. Um, I believe last year it didn't happen or whatever. Clark's that young. It's going to be interesting. Farragut is at North Lawndale. That's always a interesting one. Lincoln Park is at Orr and, uh, Marion Catholic is at Timley Park. Uh, probably the best suburban game. Thursday, it is goodbye to the new Trier gym. Evanston is at New Trier. It's at 7.30, which is incredibly annoying for my purposes, which means I can't get it in the newspaper. I don't know if I'm going to go or not. I was just there last week. I don't know. We'll see. But that's a big game for sure. Other, uh, Solorio is at Dunbar. We haven't talked about Solorio at all this year. Um, you know, they're decent, and Dunbar has been pretty good the last few years. Friday, St. Rita at St. Ignatius. Batavia at Geneva. Fun rivalry. Fremd at Palatine, another fun one. And this is a curious one. Or is at Homewood Flossmore on Friday night. And then how about this big one, Joe? Is this where you're heading? Burlington Central at Huntley. I won't be there. <laughs> I was, I'm thinking about it. I, I don't know. But, uh, it will be, I mean, that's, that's going to be a good game. I, I was surprised a little bit how Rolling Meadows kind of yeah. took apart, uh, Burlington Central. That score was, yeah, it was like 20 points, right? It was, mm-hmm. um, Saturday, Bennett is at DePaul. Undefeated DePaul. I think Bennett's just got one loss. DeKalb is at Plainfield East. Glenbrook North at Deerfield. Glenbrook North is, you know, opening some eyes. Joe just talked about Deerfield. Then we got a good one here. Lake Forest at Oak Park. Uh, Lane is at St. Ignatius at one o'clock. Nice matinee. So you could catch that one and head somewhere else. Lions is at Prospect. We haven't talked about Prospect much, but I was really impressed with Owen Schneider last year. He's a good player. 
Uh, Naperville Central at West Aurora. Notre Dame at Mundelein is at 4.30. Rolling Meadows is at Libertyville. And we have the beginning of the holiday tournament season. Jacobs tips off at 3 p.m. We got two games going there at all times. Um, games at 3, 4.30, 6, and 7.30. Uh, including the host uh, Golden Eagles against the 7-footer, uh, Conrad Lazinski and Bartlett. Um, so that's a nice start to that one. We've got a lot of teams out of town um, this weekend. I think that's kind of why the schedule is a little bit light. Yorkville Christians in Wisconsin, Youngs in Florida. I think Nutrier heads to Arizona. Um, there's also the Crete Moniz shootout on Saturday, which um, has, they just didn't get lucky <laughs> this year. A lot of their teams are kind of down. Although Oak Forest is there, they play Sandburg. Uh, there's a Maine South Romeoville and a Hyde Park Thornwood game. But yeah, bit of a light week and after that it's going to be madness but thanks for listening everybody we will be back next week and um, we're back doing the questions so um, send those to me you can email me it's mobrien m-o-b-r-i-e-n at suntimes.com and we will answer them on the podcast thanks a lot